1: I'm so delighted you're back on the podcast. Gemma, how are you? I am very well, and I am delighted to be back on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's Dr. Gemma Newman, GP, best-selling author, and uh, you're an advocate of lifestyle medicine. And your previous visit to the podcast was to talk about exactly that. We really took a deep dive into plant-based diets, which was so fascinating. And as you know, something I have incorporated into my own life, Um, gleefully so thank you for all your advice but you are here this time to share your feel good habits I am and I really loved
0: being invited to talk about feel good habits because I love feeling good I'm sure most of us do Um, and yeah it's it's a lovely topic and I think hopefully one that can be really practical for people and help them in their life and their journey so it's a really exciting one
1: Thank you. And you know, one of the things I've noticed in over a year of doing this particular series now is that there are very few habits that cost anything or much at all, which I think is something I didn't anticipate at the beginning, but is something that I find so valuable in all of these, in all of these conversations.
0: I agree. And it's something that I also feel when it comes to my patients, you know, I don't work in an affluent area. And they have a lot of struggles often uh, financially or, and also you know, thinking about what food to buy and and where they can go for green spaces and all things like that. But actually, a lot of the things that I talk about with them, they don't have to cost a penny. And that's what makes it so powerful. If you can kind of get into that mindset of understanding, what is it that really makes me feel good? You begin to see that actually you don't need to spend any money at all often.
1: In your role as a GP, we're going on a, on a side note here a little bit, but how important are habits and is it something that you find is that sort of a free prescription that goes along with a lot of your other prescriptions is like incorporating new, new lifestyle habits?
0: Oh, absolutely. Habits are hugely important and it's difficult to make new ones. So I think whenever I'm consulting with people, I really try to keep it so simple because if you can do one thing that already fits into your life, that you can sort of attach to another habit that you already have, and you can keep consistently doing that for a while and start to feel good about that, that's when you start to see incremental changes. I think unless someone is really desperate and they just want to do a complete 180 and change everything about their life. And sometimes that works and that works well. For most of us, it doesn't work that way. And it's only by having daily habits that you can gradually get into and enjoy and feel great about that you can then continue. So yeah, I think habits are crucial. <laughs> and it's, it's about trying to build in habits that are beneficial to you rather than habits that Might bring you down. And I think, I know I heard Dr. Rongan Chatterjee talk about this and it really resonated with me. He said something along the lines of, you know, people don't think that it would be really helpful if you make a cup of tea, boil the kettle, and then just do five minutes of jumping jacks while you wait for the kettle to boil. Um, But they do recognize that if you are, you know, spending five minutes eating, like donuts every single day that that might make an impact on your health so I think it's about actually understanding how much the small things can matter Mm,
1: so true so where are we beginning with your feel good habits
0: oh well I guess we should begin with food because that's what I talk most about especially in my book um Interestingly I haven't done a chapter on mood food in my first book Plant Power Doctor but I did do a lot of research around it and I've done presentations on it and there's a lot of research to suggest that consuming foods that are healthier for your body can also impact your mental health basically through a number of mechanisms but one of the most sort of commonly um, talked about in recent years is the effect on your microbiome so if you're having fiber-rich foods like fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans and lentils and chickpeas they can have a beneficial effect on the microbes in your gut which can then have a beneficial effect on your well-being for a number of different mechanisms so that is an exciting one because those foods certainly don't have to cost the earth but it's also about just enjoying food in general I love food so much I really enjoy it I love connecting with people through food I love cooking food Um, and you know it's often about things like childhood memories or time with friends that make food so special so I think you know there's a number of ways in which food is a a great feel-good habit and it's about finding foods that can make you feel good in your mind and your body and your soul. Mm,
1: so true, and it's actually—I um, mean, we could get into a—you know—more about this. But inflammation, like a lot of processed food, can cause inflammation, which can actually cause, like, can actually lower your mood. Is that right?
0: Yeah, it's—it's it's interesting. So. There was some studies. So there was a study that I read a while back on elderly. um, I think it was men in Taiwan, actually. And they talked about how folate rich foods um, had a a, a marked effect on improving overall mood in this elderly population. And they thought it was to do with um, the amount of micronutrients in those foods. Conversely, as you've rightly said, there are foods, ultra processed foods that can Induce excess inflammation in the body, um, either through having excess omega six fatty acids or simply through other inflammatory mechanisms, which can have an effect both on the gut and the brain, um, and I suppose really all the systems of the body. Um, but it's it's a, it's a difficult one because you also get that real dopamine hit from having a high salt, high fat, high sugar food, and you know it's it's a difficult thing because that immediate rush is then is then sort of taken over with this sort of crash <laughs> you just yeah. feel so much worse after that and you know when you're feeling low is nobody reaches for a plate of steamed broccoli so i think realistically speaking you know you have to understand that you know there are a number of mechanisms at play as to why we pick certain foods and it's about recognizing the long-term effect on health, but also how to make healthier foods even more delicious uh, so that we can start to choose those, you know, even when we might be eating in a way that is trying to comfort us. I think there are so many amazing comfort foods that can also help you feel good. Um, and, and I've put a few recipes for those in my book, but for me, it's about combining that mental feel good with the physical feel good.
1: I'm think i going to geek out now and tell you one of my new favourite feel good food discoveries which is which is it was on tj waterfall's um instagram stories actually was fabulous right so it was about using broccoli stalks but i just take the whole broccoli not like the stems all of it put a little bit of sesame oil Mm. over the top and just roast them for half an hour oh my goodness they taste amazing, right? <laughs> Honestly, so much better than steamed broccoli.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that probably helps for sure. And I love all roasted veggies; it's got to be said. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think also a cup of tea. I I realised because you know when when you invited me to talk about my feel good habits, I thought, what is it that makes me feel good? And I thought, I love having a cup of tea. I, I just love it. <laughs> no. And I think you know that. It's it's a strange thing. I don't know if anyone else has said that, but yeah, you're going to say something. What were you going to no, say? No, I was
1: going to say I had to I had to unlearn drinking tea with biscuits because for me, basically, tea was just a delivery system for as many biscuits as I could <laughs> dip in And I actually, a few years ago, had to learn how to have a cup of tea and enjoy that cup of tea in isolation and not think <laughs> digested. <laughs> rich tea and now I agree with you a really wonderful cup of tea in the afternoon can be so leveling so is that your second feel have habit
0: well no I've kind of added that to my food bit
1: <laughs> a bolt so- on
0: it's a bolt on because i realized that i mean i'm i'm i love tea all different types of tea you know you've got different teas for different occasions and different teas for different times of day and different teas for when you've just eaten compared mm-hmm. to in the evening so i love an earl grey or sometimes i have a lady grey and then i've got this black rose tea which i really enjoy and there's a french breakfast tea that i love and then later on in the day i'll have like a lemon and ginger or i might have a peppermint after i've eaten and then i'll have rubos in the evening and i love having different types of plant milk with my tea and some of them you know the herbal ones i don't and it's just it's it sounds ridiculous as i'm saying it out loud but i get an awful lot of pleasure from my tea routines
1: (laughs) no i agree with you and in fact i very recently came to know about a uh, range of tea from a a brand called Mission and they have and it's I love coffee so first thing I probably do after I've drunk water in the morning is I have some coffee but what I've they sent a load of teas to me which is really kind of them but what I really understood from them is that in a way that coffee can't tea can stimulate but it can also relax that you can actually have a different tea for different times of the day to maximize how you need to feel so they can support your circadian rhythms they can support your energy levels they can chill you out and i have kind of recently found a new appreciation for tea because i think it can be um sort of a little bit of a, a manipulator to kind of help you feel what you need to feel at a certain time
0: Yeah, it really can. And also I've been enjoying matcha in the morning and it's got, it's, it's got, um, some components which are great for your immune health as well, which I've been really into recently. So yeah, it's, it's one of my, it's one of my go-tos. I thought I would just lump that on into my food, (laughs) feel better rituals.
1: No, I'm glad you did. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, from food, where are we going to go next? We're going to go to,
0: we're going to go to service. Now hear me out on this one. I realized on reflection that one of the main things that helps me feel good in my life is service to other people. And that sounds really pious, doesn't it? It sounds like, oh, you know, you have to do good to feel good. But it's I I genuinely think that that's true. And, you know, I think that focusing on other people has brought me a sense of purpose in my life. But it's also taken the pressure off me because I feel like maybe it's because I'm a Leo and obviously we're not supposed to necessarily study (laughs) star signs as medics but it's one of the things I've been interested in and we're supposed to be quite ego-driven as a a rule and a lot of doctors I've found have been quite ego-driven you know it's been you know I'm I'm right and I'm going to tell people what to do and um For me, I think ego is also at the root of feeling um, that you, when you're criticised, you take it really personally because it's about you and it's about how you've come across. And in a weird way, presenting information or being in the public eye, I think having an ego can actually be a real double-edged sword because it makes you feel really awful when people criticise you and put you down. And... If you're too strong in the ego, it can really really affect you. so for me, letting go of that and thinking about service to others, thinking about how my message will be received is not as useful as just thinking about what I want to help people with mm. because I realize then it's not about me you know i'm I'm a sort of Someone that's giving a message, but it's not about me personally. And that's the same for a lot of things in life. I think even if you're nervous before a presentation at work, think about what you're giving to them rather than them looking at you is really powerful because it takes away the nerves Mm. Um, and it takes away that feeling of, oh, you know, am I looking okay? Am I coming across okay? Are they judging me? Because you don't have to think about any of that stuff. Um, so I think, yeah, I think getting rid of the ego as much as is practical, obviously we all have an ego and it's important. We, you know, we need to have a certain sense of ego to even exist in this life (laughs) on, you know, in this body, on this planet. But just remembering that, that, that giving to other people is not only good for them, but good for you.
1: It's something that's come up actually a few times in conversations about, uh, Again, it would it would seem counterintuitive if one's trying to find get a sense of self or perhaps feels that they are constantly giving too much to others and not nurturing themselves. It, It would seem that that wouldn't go hand in hand, but actually, it can be a part of that picture of giving. In a, it's about giving to others and being of service in others in a way that serves them. But also, you don't need their validation, but you know that you're doing a good thing, and therefore, it does help you. It's a sort of it's a fine sort of nuanced thing, isn't it?
0: It is. It is. And I think, you know, many, I think of many mums when I mean, I'm a mum of two boys and I've got a very busy life. And I think you know, before I had children, I had no idea how much work it would take giving to other humans. <laughs> and I think as women, we tend to put other people first often. Um, I mean, that's a huge generalisation, but I, I know a lot of women feel as though, you know, they're exhausted because they're prioritising other people all the time. And actually, you know, taking that minute for yourself, to, you know, is is crucial in order to be able to keep looking after other people. Um, but I think it's about holding those two truths together and understanding Of course, a lot of our role is giving to others, especially if you have elderly parents that you're looking after or a growing family or you're a carer for another reason. There's going to be a lot going on for you. But also just recognising that in giving to others, ultimately, there is a lot of satisfaction. And as long as you can be reassured that you've given to yourself first in a way that makes you feel nourished um then you know giving to others is one of the main things that i think you can do to feel a sense of real purpose in -hmm. life
1: that's a lovely one i like that very much okay (laughs) where we maybe maybe what we can do in the show notes is if there are any links to good causes or people who need volunteers or something like that because i think that's um now that we can go out and volunteer again in a way that doesn't feel um well, the restrictions have lifted. Maybe that would be yeah. a nice resource to add. Okay, where are we going next?
0: So, for habit number three, I think I wanted to say connection, because for me, connection is about so much. It's about connecting with myself, connecting with people that I love, connecting with my patients, connecting with nature, and connecting with that greatest part of us um, that can hopefully lead us to make better decisions in life. And I think. It's been really difficult during the pandemic to connect with the ones that we love physically. You know, I, I am somebody that loves physical touch. I love to give hugs. I love to you know, touch people on the hand. You know, I'm, I'm a very touchy-feely person. I know that not everybody's like that. But for me, that was one of the things that kept me sane at home um, was, was being able to actually live in a house with my husband and my kids so that I could give them hugs. And it's something that people really struggled with. And so hopefully now, as we move forward, that physical touch aspect is something that people can really lean into more and feel you know, great about being able to connect with people they love, but also generally connecting to yourself, your greatest self, which is hard to do in the hustle bustle of the day. Um, but I find it useful to do that through simple breathing techniques. And I do do breathing techniques every single morning, um, which I can come on to in a minute. Um, but also connecting with nature because, you know, my message is, is mainly about plant-based nutrition and how it can be beneficial to our physical health. But of course, the health of our planet is something that's hugely important because without a healthy planet, we can't have healthy humans. And I think one of the main ways that we can actually feel connected to that message is when we feel connected to nature, Mm -hmm. when we can actually go into the forest and breathe in that forest air, breathe in those phytoncides, which are the compounds that are created by plants and trees that help us to feel good. Look at the, you know, look at nature wherever we are, notice the fractals in nature and how they can interact with our brain and help us to feel good. Going to the beach, hearing those waves crashing against the shoreline, anything like that, even going to the local park and just noticing the green and looking into the distance. These are ways in which we can help ourselves to feel good and connect with nature, which helps us to connect to our highest self. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that's probably a really f- sort of wide-reaching one, uh, and one that I could talk uh, each of the branches of that I could talk on for about half an hour. But but essentially, it comes down to connection.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting with connection. Actually, in terms of, I was reading about um, cognitive hypnotherapy, and I forget what the percentage is, but essentially, the brain is in a trance-like state a lot of the time, and. I was watching uh, a YouTube channel called The Watched Walker and I'll have to put the link in the show notes because it's fascinating because essentially it's um, just somebody with a camera on walking through London and you think, oh, that's going to be dull. I've done that a hundred times or a thousand times but you watch it and you realise all the things that you don't see when you're walking through London because you're thinking about you're like, as a woman, I'm always thinking about my personal safety. I'm always thinking about whether I'm on time. And then you watch this and you realize, oh, I've never really noticed the lights on that shop frontage, but I've walked past it a thousand times. So I think the connection of going into nature is, is something I do as well. And it is actually about stopping and looking and enjoying and appreciating. And rather than just being in nature, it's almost like making that conscious decision to actually enjoy it and actually notice the smells it's just noticing isn't it
0: it's noticing you Emma you're 100% right it's noticing and I think that's something that you know we we could all go into nature or have a you know scented bath or whatever else it is but we could also be very distracted and be thinking a hundred other things so it comes down to stillness of the mind and sometimes that has to be a conscious choice because as humans you know we're often thinking about other things especially as you said you know as a woman you might be thinking about your personal space and whether you're safe and all these other considerations but it's about having that conscious decision to notice to breathe to just be in the moment for that moment Mm. Um, and it's actually led me on to thinking about my dog we have a lovely dog and she is so affectionate and she gives complete unconditional love and of course i take her out to the woods and that's a way of combining connection with nature with connection with another little sentient being who mm-hmm. totally adores me <laughs> and so you know it's another way of feeling good that um is 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 really special and obviously not everybody's a dog person or 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 a pet owner but it's another way of also bringing microbiome into our homes and research shows that pets can be a great way of actually bringing in natural microbial components into the home and improving our immune health so yeah there's a number of ways in which that works as well
1: and also doesn't petting an animal a pet doesn't that lower blood pressure
0: yes it's supposed to also reduce cortisol levels i mean depending on if you love that particular type of animal, I suppose. But yeah, (laughs) yeah, it can be really powerful. I do Um, think so. Yeah, that's that's a good one.
1: I think connection is really important. I think, as you say, connection with yourself, like even something like somebody asked me on Instagram this morning, how do you how did you learn to enjoy your own company? And I think if by sort of shutting out the distractions and actually realizing that if I want to sit and watch a film, really appreciating that like noticing oh I've got the freedom to be able to sit and do this now and it is yeah connections are really vital one I think and it's something that you can get to a ripe old age as I did and never really have done it.
0: Yeah and it's true what you said as well about enjoying being with yourself I think being alone and being lonely are two hugely different concepts and feeling as though you are enjoying who you are Um, In fact, this comes on to my one of my other (laughs) (laughs) habits for happiness. Um, um, But it's about understanding that you are worthy. You are worthy of your own time and attention and enjoying that time by yourself is sometimes for some people, especially those who are perhaps more used to getting their energy and fulfillment from those around them, which is natural. It's a natural human thing, but enjoying that time alone can be hugely, hugely beneficial. And it means that it gives you that moment to connect with your deepest self and you know, that, that part of yourself that that observes your thoughts and feelings as they pass through you and just becoming more comfortable with that.
1: Mm, it's true. Did I, did, so did we uh, bring in naturally the next habit?
0: Yeah. So Yeah, it was a lovely, neat little segue. And that's because the next feel good habit is acceptance. And what I mean by acceptance is thinking about all of the feelings and the thoughts that we have, um, trying to accept them neither as bad or as good, but just noticing them and accepting myself, accepting the events that happen around me, accepting other people. I think all these things are really healthy if we're going to feel good in the long term. Mm. And there's, I know we, there's a huge amount to unpack in that because we often have expectations of people around us, the people that we love. Sometimes we have really high expectations and they don't always fulfill them. And Equally, we can have very high expectations of ourselves and the things that we want to achieve and we can compare ourselves to others and feel as though we're lacking. And I think it's about accepting not only that all these things can happen, but also just accepting that they do happen and realizing that it's all okay, that it's all part of the human experience And if we can accept that, then it also means that we can accept those around us when they let us down. Mm. When tragedy strikes, we can come to a place of acceptance without necessarily getting stuck in the feelings of um, anger or regret or shame or whatever it is that we're feeling Acknowledging that feeling, but also using acceptance as a tool to move on and move through it.
1: I think you've talked about something there that's really important, which is expectations. And I think you can actually, and I say this from personal experience, you can actually make yourself quite unhappy if you have very high expectations of other people that are unrealistic because you're Mm -hmm. not paying attention. And actually, the second you accept what people are able to give you, what's within their capability, It it takes a huge amount of pressure off, but also it removes that dissatisfaction because you're not expecting anything beyond what they're giving you. Exactly.
0: And I think that's something that many of us naturally would fall into. It's Again, it's human nature to expect people to think how we think and to feel how we feel. But... They don't. Mm. And, you know, I understand that when you're in an intimate relationship, especially, they can often be a mirror. They can hold up a mirror to you, can't they? And all the things that you want or expect from a relationship and all the things that you might have taken from your own parents and their relationship. And it can all become very messy very quickly unless you take a step back and just accept where they are, where they've come from, their life experience, what they feel and as well accept you where you've come from what your life experience is and why it is that you feel the way that you feel and I do think that that's probably one of the first steps towards at least understanding where conflict comes from um, and understanding that that's all part of again that human experience.
1: Mm, That's a great one about where conflict comes from I think it's empathy isn't it trying to put yourself in the other person's shoes and just sort of right, well, we're butting heads. What am I not seeing? What don't yeah. I appreciate about where they're coming from? Doesn't mean I'm going to acquiesce and concede to their point of view, but what do, what am I missing so that we can at least get to a point where we can have a rational conversation?
0: Yeah, it's true. And I think rational conversations are increasingly difficult, especially you know in the age of social media, where everything is just very much clickbait and simple commentary and, you know, very black and white at times, but it's it's in understanding the grey and accepting all of the black and all of the white and everything in between that we can actually come to a, a point of understanding. And not that doesn't mean as you say, it doesn't mean accepting when things are unjust, but at least understanding where why these things happen. Mm. And then you can begin to to move through them. Because you can't move through it without understanding. And nobody likes having a lecture either. It's something that I've learned through my through my medical career. You know, it's really you know nobody likes to be told what to do.
1: Yeah, Um, it's interesting. I was having this conversation with a friend the other day. We were talking about um, how in mainstream media, especially forget social media, but just in mainstream media, we are losing the art of debate because it's just shouting and who yeah. can sort of slightly show up the other person or minimise what they're saying or sort of semi-humiliate them and that we need, it would be great to have some mainstream media where you actually saw what a good, rational, fair, reasonable debate where everyone shakes hands at the end looks like.
0: I know. We need that. We, we really need that, that respect, that mutual respect for people that we disagree with mm. and hopefully... I think I do think that podcasting is a great way of doing that. It's that lovely long form conversation and perhaps even talking to someone that you may not originally necessarily have everything in common with. But finding that common ground is a, is a really great way of broadening everyone's horizons. And hopefully, you know, we'll see more of that in the future. Here's hoping. <laughs> Here's
1: hoping. Right. I, th- I think we're on your last one now and I'm quite sad about it because I'm really enjoying these. But where are we finishing oh. up? Well, we are finishing up on something a little bit unusual. Good. Um.
0: (laughs) Okay, so my fifth feel-good habit is something called the Gokai. Um, And I'll explain what that is. How are we spelling that, first of all? Uh, G-O-K-A-I. Right, got you. And what it is, it's my morning and evening mantra, right? Um, So... It's it's a phrase that I learnt when I was learning how to do something called Jikiden Reiki. And without going into all the details of what that is, it's essentially uh, an energetic healing modality which has some evidence base to help people to <laughs> to to sort of connect with the energy within their bodies and use it for Health and for you know for feeling good, and part of that process is as a practitioner is reminding yourself of the gokai, and I learned it in Japanese, and I say it every morning and every evening uh, when I wake up and when I go to sleep, and I also say it before I do my jikid and reiki practice as it helps me to get into that right mindset, and although it 's not something that everybody else will know i 'm happy to share it with you and what it means on this podcast. Um, but you know for those of you who are not practitioners or don't you know, don 't plan to remember it or memorize it, just know that you can also come up with a phrase or a self affirmation or a list of values that make you feel good and remind yourself of those each morning and each evening as a way of generally helping you to remember who you are and what's important to you. Despite of you know, all the hustle bustle of the day or what's going on, it can just bring you back to you. And that's that's the crux of what this is.
1: Okay. So it's not, the Gokai doesn't stand for anything. It's just from there, you have things that you've assigned to that word. Is it a little bit like the mantra in Transcendental Meditation? It's
0: a little bit like that, but it's actually very specific. So the Gokai is, I'll tell you what it is. It goes like this kyodakewa ikaruna shin suna kan shashde gyo hagame hitoni shinsetsuni. And that's Japanese. Now you're gonna I'm gonna have to apologize for my pronunciation because it may not be a hundred percent correct, but what it means is essentially. Um, do not worry do not be angry be grateful do your duties fully and be kind to all living things so it's something that I learnt, which I had to memorize and it it's it feels lovely to me to say it out loud even in Japanese because obviously I know the meaning now but often In other practices, you will learn a specific text or you will learn a phrase and you may not always know what it means. And sometimes you're not even supposed to know what it means. It's just a way of emptying the mind but having that extra meaning behind it is lovely for me um and it's something that anybody can do without necessarily having to be that thing
1: yeah
0: um but they can apply that to their own lives and and say the things that are important to them each day and it will hopefully help them to make decisions that may be different compared to if they hadn't done it
1: it's reminding me a little in terms of its intention and overall effect perhaps of the serenity prayer
0: Yes. Yeah, Francis of Assisi's serenity prayer. It's lovely. Um and it's it's a way of connecting with, you know, your greatest purpose and feeling good about yourself and your role in the world. And it feeds into gratitude. It feeds into that gratitude practice, which is so important, so mm. important for feeling good, noticing again, noticing the stuff that that you feel incredibly grateful for even when things are tough, even when you're struggling. It's about it's about just having an awareness of that and, and then helping that to sort of move you through your day.
1: I knew these were going to be good, but Gemma, honestly, they've, they really have been wonderful. And so, as, as I expected, very gentle, very kind and very, very calm, but with the intention of them having a big impact. So thank you for sharing those. I've really enjoyed them.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm I'm really glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was lovely for me to think about it as well.
1: Good. Now, I am going to ask you another question, though, because you mentioned earlier, you didn't write this in your first book. Is that to say that there's another one on the way? Well, there might be. (laughs) Watch this space. Bagsy gets an interview. Okay. (laughs) Okay. um listeners I will put the links to everything that Gemma and I have discussed in the show notes I will put the, there's a lot of links to go in the show notes but I will find them and I will put them in I will also put the link to Gemma's social media and her book but for now thank you so much for coming back on the podcast Gemma it's been so wonderful
0: it's my pleasure thank you for having me as always